Okay. All right, Dave, you comfortable? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, all right, so right now, Dave and I are actually sitting in my living room uh, watching the encore presentation of the first episode of Better Call Saul, getting ready to watch the second episode of Better Call Saul, but I think we have to make a couple corrections on things that we didn't quite pick up on ah. on the first episode. Yeah, I just got here and set up, and Flood's like, let's record this, so I don't know what's about to happen, so let's go. <laughs> okay, remember <laughs> or you, uh, remember the whole scam that they had going on where the twins were going to get hit by the car? Right. Right? We, uh, Me and my wife, Kristen, watched it again today, and it was a different car that the kids threw themselves in front of. Okay, so I was... I, I thought I mentioned that in the podcast. I don't remember or, while we were watching. I thought I mentioned that it might be like a similar model. It's not the exact car, right? But I. But then I went on to say that she's like the housekeeper for the people, right? So she's the <laughs> housekeeper. But here's the thing: is when you watch Uno, the first episode, uh-huh. you can distinctly uh, it shows uh, Betsy, who's the woman that meets with Saul in the diner with her husband, right? It shows Betsy getting into that car, and then the kids jump in front of the... So, by coincidence, they actually jumped in front of a similar model or same model car, the same color. It okay. never showed what happened to Betsy after she left the driveway. So, it was Betsy in the car pulling it out It showed Betsy getting in the car, okay. and then Sal leans over, looks at his phone, calls the twins, and then it cuts to the twins, and they jump out in front of a brown station wagon. Okay. Baby shit brown, as they called it. Wow. Right? Nice. nice. Right, that to- I I think that totally bi- passed us up. I think you were on the right track there. But watching yeah. it again today, I was like, I was talking to my wife. I'm like, how the hell did we miss that? It was an old lady getting into the station wagon. Right, but we didn't because it showed Betsy getting into the station wagon. Then the kids, the twins, just happened to jump in front of another car, the same make and model and same color. So it's a hell of a coincidence. Yeah. But that's how he ends up at Tuco's grandma's house. Oh well, nice catch, nice catch. Yeah, yeah not bad. And that was that was all that was all my wife Kristen. Good job, Chris. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we talked about the match. Uh, we actually uh, thought it was like some sort of misprint. No, um, I I should have corrected you. I caught mm-hmm. that right away. It's just the fact that it says McGill, and he wants to separate. That we that we were going for. Right. Yeah, that's totally what I was going for. So yeah, I totally I totally botched that one. I was probably yeah. like on my way to get a beer or something to yeah. kind of passively watch that. I just let it slide because it's yeah, it's what it said was the point, but yeah, right. The, so the actual point is that it says McGill he wants to differentiate himself from the law firm. Well, he doesn't kind of, or his brother wants him to separate. Yeah, the um, Howie, the the guy from the law firm mm-hmm. who met with Chuck, kind of was pressuring Chuck to get Saul to change his law firm right. practice name. Right. So and I, I didn't fully know. pick up on that. For some reason, I thought that it was a, a typo or something, or he just... Uh, it, yeah. Yeah, no. but nope, it was totally just... Um, they're looking to differentiate the names for name recognition and such. So I totally right. botched that, but I caught it today, so... Nice. Well, so I nice. think I'm actually all caught up now on my <laughs> stupidity for episode one. So I'm ready to go for episode two. As they say in the biz, that's a couple of nice snatches. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave. So real quick before we sit down and watch episode two, a couple questions for you. Yep. Uh, one, uh, real quick prediction. I keep leaning forward because my microphone is slipping. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll make this quick. <laughs> Screw the question. Do you want a beer? No, nah, I'm good. All right. Let's go. Customers are gone and your store is on the rocks. Spread around the gas because it's time to torch the stock. But you gotta move quick before you send your own hair. Who knew there was a homeless guy sleeping in there? Better call Saul. You better call Saul. All 
right, ladies and gentlemen, this is It's All Good, Man, the Better Better Call Saul podcast. I'm Brian, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Dave. Dave, how are you doing this evening? I'm feeling pretty good today, and I am ready to go. All right. Uh, Dave and I also co-host the Nothing Important Podcast. You can find that at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com. And we're also... Uh, we're also partnered up with calltosol.com, so if you want to hear our podcast on there or see any insights, rumors, news, spoilers, you name it, go to calltosol.com. All right, Dave, so that was the second official second. Better Call Saul episode. Yeah, I really I really dug that one. A lot different pacing on that one than it was the first one, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of focused more on... A few fewer scenes, fewer scenes, but a lot more, uh, a lot more development, a lot more uh, setting the stage for what's to come. Yeah, it had a lot of the uh, Breaking Bad style montages, mm-hmm. you know, and it had like it was like a cycle, like a Groundhog Day type thing, and then it ends when the coffee cup finally falls over. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I was cracking up at some of the uh, character uh, character consistency as well. Uh, Tuco making food once again. Right, yeah. They're quite yeah. the gourmet cook. I <laughs> it'd be awesome. I hope that's a, like an on-running theme because apparently, uh, from what I'm seeing, I'm I'm seeing that there's going to be a lot of interaction between uh, Saul and Tuco. So I hope extravagant meals <laughs> are definitely a staple <laughs> of Tuco's character, and that's something that we see every time we we encounter him. Because it's a pretty interesting dynamic too, if you think about it. Because Tuco is insane; he's a, he's absolutely nuts. Yeah, he, he's he's uh, completely emotional, completely irrational, and but, but uh, the man can cook, right? <laughs> <laughs> the man can cook. I almost thought he was a little bit too impressionable in the exchange with Saul. Like mm-hmm. every suggestion Saul had, it was almost like he was talking to a little kid. But I guess that is kind of Tuco's mentality, right? It, well, he was playing to his ego, right? right. Like he. That's obviously going to be. That's obviously been a character trait of Saul. Is he? He's really good at seeing people for how they are and manipulating them. Mm-hmm. And he totally saw that he could manipulate Tuco. So he was playing to his ego, where Tuco, you know, fancies himself as this this king. Remember, they they uh, he made up when he was the FBI. Um, when he said that he was the FBI agent, and he and he said that the codename of the codename of the operation was King. Kingbreaker, Some, yeah, Kingbreaker, mm-hmm. and he, he he was like, "Oh, I'm a king, <laughs> like a king." <laughs> that's right. They're after me because I am the king. Absolutely. So that's great. So that's a lot of insight to to how he uh, Saul starts honing those skills. Right, and the first time he weasels his way out of like that life threatening situation. Right. You know, with using his words and. Absolutely, and yeah. then and then barters down the punishment from right. yeah. from from death to one broken leg each, which which was absolutely awesome. That was that was uh, <laughs> uh, one of my main concerns was how are they going to because prequels typically suck, right? Right, like, yeah, prequels usually. always because uh, we talked about shoehorning stuff in. Pre- right. Whenever anybody needs to make a prequel, a lot of times they don't make it as organic, and they try to shoehorn in all these different elements that were established in the storyline that came after right. the prequel. And I think so far they've done a great job of making it feel organic and true to the characters, and mm-hmm. not just doing something for the sake of doing something. Like the slower pace of today's episode really allow them to uh, organically develop those traits, right? As opposed to just like a one one off where uh, Saul would give like. A smart line, and then all of a sudden the character comes out. And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's totally me." Like, no, there was a definite build up there. Like they right. let it, they let it ride. 
Yeah, and 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 you're you're starting to see that he's he's not Saul Goodman yet. No, not know, yet. Definitely not there yet. But he's. he's but you can see there. the wheels. The wheels are turning. Right. Right. Absolutely. Right. Especially the part at the end where he says, "I'm a lawyer. I'm not a criminal." Mm-hmm. But in Breaking Bad, Jesse says, "You need a criminal lawyer," and he's right, talking yeah. about Saul Goodman. So right. Jimmy McGill's not a criminal. Saul Goodman's probably going to be the criminal. Right. Yeah. Like the the little light bulbs are starting to go off. Right. right. <laughs> Yeah, because he even turned it down. He turned down the uh, the finder's fee, you know, because yeah. he was just trying to get a client. He wasn't looking for the, the payout from them. He wanted to pay out through court. Which is is the first instance of the finder's fee. Remember when he when he talked to Walt in Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when, when he was helping him launder the money, you know, there was a finder's fee for everything. Right. You know, and he that, was all about it at that point, you know. Right, so so Nacho gave him the idea for, right. for the finder's fee. I, I really like how they're taking their time planting the seeds. Yeah. Like, they're not just trying to, to rush through it because everybody knows the character. They're really taking a deliberate pace to build it up. They're not, they're not going, for, going for the gusto, I guess. Like, right. like hey, you know what? Uh, we know you, guys, you know who this character is, but we're going to treat it as if you've never seen this character before, which is an absolutely exactly. smart thing to do. There's no um, – there's, there's, like, foreshadowing and little uh, character traits, but there's no, like – you know, wink, wink moment where, where, um, it's like, oh, that all makes sense. Right. It's, it's more of like, oh, that must be the stepping stone of how he gets to what we saw in Breaking Bad. Yeah, like the montage where he's getting frustrated as being a public defender and doing all these cases for seven hundred bucks a pop. Petty with a prior. Petty with a prior. <laughs> <laughs> right, and that was just over uh, the the case of, in that instance, right? Right, the kid stole a piece of pizza, but but the uh, the prosecutor really wanted to hammer the kid because he was a petty with a prior. Right. I, I got the impression it was different cases against the same prosecutor. You know, I don't know if that's like a city attorney, uh, how that works. But I was like, oh, really? I, I like thought there was all just... these little BS cases. Oh, and, and every time he's just like petty with a prior, petty dude. with a prior. Yeah, like he finally <laughs> broke him at the end. He finally got a deal at the end after trying on all these different cases. Right. Yeah. So you know, he's sparring. We talked about how he was kind of shadow boxing in the in the bathroom mm-hmm. last episode. You know, and I, what I took from that montage is you know like a fighter, right? A fighter just doesn't go into the ring and start boxing and punching people in the face, right? right. There's a lot of shadow boxing. There's there's a lot of sparring that you do with partners. You got to get and, your you got to get your 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 character, your emotions built up. Yeah, you got to build your chops. You know, right. you got you got to take a couple licks, and and that's that's essentially what he's doing. You know, that bathroom appears to be his locker room. You know, and he uh-huh. psychs himself up. He does the it's showtime, which yeah. is from what Dave? Uh, it was a movie reference for all that jazz, which I have not seen. Thank you, Google. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so like he he's built he's building up he's building up his persona he he's honing his skills and mm-hmm. it's great we're two episodes in and we have yet to see Saul Goodman it's right. it's just straight up still Jimmy still McGill. Jimmy McGill yeah absolutely I also like how we we talked about actually before we started recording this episode too the um the the uh, station wagon right how they cleared that up yeah how they cleared that up actually yeah and so um. My wife, Kristen, remember we were talking before, she said, well, maybe it's kind of like how there's like the GMC model of the S10 and then the Chevy S10, but they're known as different things, right? Like the GMC is the Jimmy and the Chevy is the Blazer. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Kristen was 100, uh, 100% correct. Yep. Um, the Betsy's car was a Mercury with a license plate 401 PND, and the car that they jumped into the windshield on was a Ford. With a license plate 493 BHS. Ah, there you go. So 
I was trying to catch that, but my eyes deceived me. Right. (laughs) So, um, so essentially, right, it, it is the same make of car with, with minor differences. Right. And you were onto something because when we were watching, we, when we were watching episode one um, before episode two started, you were looking at the emblem on the front of the vehicle and you're like, well, it's a Ford. On the back. It was the, on the, on the, the emblem on, on the back was the Ford and the front had no license plate. I couldn't remember if Betsy's car had a front plate. But mm-hmm. this car definitely had no front plate. Right, but we we were looking for for it was the, the envelope, yeah, yeah, envelope. for the details, and and they are the same model car, mm-hmm. and which is true because you know different uh, you, you use what Firebird and Camaro, right, right. They used both the same color red, and it's mm-hmm. essentially the same car. Mm-hmm. It's just like minute different features, yeah, like very, the shape of the taillights and such, right, and, and yeah. that's that's totally what happened. So, um, you know, uh, giant coincidence, yeah. <laughs> right, and and that's uh, everything into motion so i i hope um episode three from the on the next episode of better call saw it actually shows him revisiting betsy and her husband yeah they're going to be involved and it 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 appears i don't know he talked about de-escalating things Mm -hmm. and uh it showed uh, i believe it was nacho in a holding cell or an interrogation room Right. Whatever you call those things with, with uh, Jimmy. Yeah, and he kind of flinches at him. Yeah. Right? But what, what I'm, I'm getting at is, well, hopefully episode three, we see what happened in between Saul staking her out and the twins jumping on the car. Uh, see, I don't, I don't think you're going to get that. I think they're just they, they're going to leave it as a simple case of the wrong car. I, I would bet the that right they, do, they, do something, uh, they do something really menial. It's probably something really mundane. Mm. I smell a wager. Smell wager? Yeah, somebody gonna put their money where their mouth is. Dude, I have like three bucks in my wallet. Well, right not now. actual money, but you know that's good because I don't actually have three <laughs> bucks. <laughs> but I, I'm just saying, I can see a scene uh, play out where it shows Betsy getting into her car, driving down the street. She makes a left hand turn, and then and then Tuco's grandmother just happens to make a right hand turn on the right hand street. That's very a possible. Classic yeah. example of wrong place at the wrong time for everybody involved. You know, she got her windshield smashed, mm-hmm. and the twins jumped through the wrong windshield and set everything that we saw tonight in motion. Um, to go even deeper. Mm-hmm. And more speculative. Yes, you could say that uh, this because Betsy had a routine. This is supposed to be Betsy's always at that spot at this time, right? Maybe this is the one time she diverted from the routine to go do something involved with this embezzlement case that they're talking about. Oh, and yeah, and then gets caught up through that avenue. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Good call. Right. So, like, maybe she's feeling a little bit heat, or uh, things are starting to. to pressure build up and maybe her husband calls her to meet her somewhere and she veers off the path and then Tuco's grandmother you know divine intervention just happens to come (laughs) come down that road but then that gets Tuco and Nacho involved in you know trying to get the money off them and it's yeah it's just gonna get deep see that's actually that's actually something that I think done the wrong way could have totally been a shoehorned coincidence right you know what I mean it's it's like in uh it's like in action movies how there's always like some major coincidence that always saves like the protagonist. Like a door opens unexpectedly when they're leaning against it and they like yeah. fall through and like somehow avoid getting shot. Yeah. Right. And I every time I watch action movies and something like that happens, I'm like, oh, that's so stupid. Like that's totally an act of God. Uh, Deus Machina, I think is what. what uh, Deus ex machina. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Deus ex machina. Say it again. 
Dios Ex Machina. I okay, I, God I, in the machine. Okay, well, everybody pretty much knows what I'm. <laughs> we'll what just I'm, butcher Latin for you yeah, while we're at it. Yeah, there's a reason it's a dead language, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, like, and, and, and that's a perfect example of how it usually comes off insanely stupid exactly. and, and insanely forced. But I think that the way that they're pacing and setting up uh, the series so far. I, I don't feel that that's a shoehorn circumstance at yeah, all. Yeah, because they are using this as Jimmy McGill's character development. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole scene where he, you know, he barters the punishment down and talks his way out of dying. Basically, right. yeah, that's. And it, I, it wasn't I, just like a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Here's Tuco. You know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I also I also loved how. Um, when Tuco manages to get everybody inside his house, you know, and there's the uh, salsa spill on the floor. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were kind of laughing at, at the grandmother because everybody has a grandmother like that. Like, yeah. you, you're like, okay, I'm doing stuff. Like, I get it. Like, it just keeps reiterating the point. Yeah. Get the club I, soda. Get the club right, soda. Right, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. Like, like, <laughs> Go watch your stories already. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, it, it shows like a really strong family dynamic. And hopefully that plays into, you know, hopefully this season we see Hector. Yeah, and that's what I was thinking. Um, the family dynamic is as evil and vicious as Tuco is. He still cares about his family. He's taking care of Hector and Breaking Bad. Right. And his grandma. And the fact that this is his grandma, and I believe Hector was his great uncle, mm-hmm. brother and sister, maybe. You know, I wonder if they're going to make that connection at all. And then that would bring Hector into the mix without forcing it. Yeah. And uh, then he took, he took Saul and the twins into the desert. And uh, that was very, a lot of, a lot of, uh, very Breaking Bad feeling cinematography there as well, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. right. You notice some things as as they were laying yeah, on the, the far away shot. You know, as like when they first meet, that scene is that the camera angles far away, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I, I feel that uh, that so far they've done a great job of establishing that it is in the same universe because there's a lot of little signatures there that you notice, especially. Uh, after watching Breaking Bad, you know, binge watching like we did on Netflix, you know, it might not seem uh, as much of like had we just watched it, you know, week by week by week, season by season, you know, mm-hmm. but but over, if you watch five seasons <laughs> of a TV show over the course of two weeks, you start to notice little ticks. Mm-hmm. And I think for those of us that, that kind of binge watched it, we were kind of a little bit more familiar with those ticks. And then and then now watching uh, Better Call Saul. You notice little things like the weird camera angles and how it pulls in, and and uh, just the cinematography in general. I was also looking to pay attention to maybe his uh, the alias he comes up with when he when he tells the FBI lie to get the the cutters off of his finger. Agent Steele. Agent Jeffrey A. Steele. <laughs> FBI. I mean, you know, you know what's funny is um, we talked about. I believe it was on episode three when our buddy Tim was was here when we were still debating whether or not Jimmy McGill was uh, Saul's birth name. Mm-hmm. And uh, our friend Tim made the comment, well, if you're going to think of a generic-ass name, right. like what, what more is generic than yeah. Jimmy McGill? James McGill. Right, and then he, he pulls out, uh, what was it, Agent? Jeffrey A. Steele. Jeffrey A. Steele. <laughs> <laughs> and I even wrote down in my notes, I wrote Jeffrey Steele, but then Saul repeated, Jeffrey A. Steele. <laughs> <laughs> so, just in my notes to throw the A in there, and it was, it was great seeing him um, again work his magic. You know, he uh, like uh, like Tuco said, you got a mouth on you, and he's like, "Thank you." But like, yeah, but um, 
I, at first I didn't really know where they were going with that. Right. Cause they, they were insisting that he was, F, uh, you know, some sort of informant FBI, some sort of cop. Right. And then instead of sticking to his guns and he's like, I really don't know shit. All of a sudden he's just like, Oh no. Yeah. I'm totally FBI. Yeah. Like he just, he just knew that. Well, for one, I like the fact that Tuco says something about this is working cause we're getting, we're getting attention from, you know, law enforcement, but they don't say what it is. Right. And then, yeah, he just knew, like, he's like, if I just admit and tell him what he wants to hear, he will physically remove himself from my area for a minute. Right. And then we can kind of reset and like, start over again. Like, he'll he'll just kind of back off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was, it was funny, too, because it actually got really intense, especially when they were putting the calipers on his hand, mm-hmm. and it looked like they were going to cut his finger off. And I'm sitting there going, does he have 10 right, fingers I in Breaking Bad? Thing. I'm like, is he missing, like, part of his finger? I don't remember that <laughs> in Breaking Bad, which, again, is a testament to how they're actually doing the show, because typically when you're watching a prequel, you're like, well, you know, like, yeah, he, like, he can't be losing a finger because, like, you know, Five years after this, he he has all of his fingers. But the way that they pulled it off, I I was like, man, did, was he missing a finger? Like, was there <laughs> exactly. was there like some sort of weird scene where he touched something and the, he was missing a finger? And the, this is now how they're explaining that retroactively. No, he talked his way out of it. He did talk his way out <laughs> of it, but he made a hell of a deal for those kids. Yeah, which is funny because as you pointed out, as common knowledge, it's all Saul's fault or it's all Jimmy McGill's fault. Yeah, all that. And, all that uh, you know the kids get their legs broken <laughs> <laughs> eye for an eye you call my grandma a business and i wound you for six months and cause you like, oh man and that was that was such a great <laughs> that was such a great scene where uh tuco would just not let up on maiming the twins yeah <laughs> like he just he, as much as saul was trying to like push him in another direction um uh, Tuco thought he was giving him like suggestions on how to, how to kill him. <laughs> I'll get my black eye. He's already got a black eye. <laughs> he was like, "Oh, I get it. You want me to slit their throat?" <laughs> <laughs> Colombian necktie. But that's great. I, I I really enjoyed that scene and that dark humor is, is really is really coming through. It's it's really subtle. It's weird because it's subtle, but it's very noticeable and it, and it fits so well yeah and it's it's the thing that i i noticed with breaking bad i don't think we've touched on is the fact that like like that kind of humor it's really up to the reader it's not a universal humor mm-hmm. not the reader but the audience but it's not a universal kind of a humor like you got to be kind of twisted to laugh at some of that stuff but it's really funny right yeah you know, like if you're like, twisted enough to enjoy it and some of the little beats where it's just all comedic timing yeah like uh like during the montage sal kept going back to the coffee machine it kept filling up the coffee and the last time the coffee cup falls over and it pours the coffee and then it pauses for a second spurts pauses for a second and pours some more and yeah. then it just kind of like says fuck it and walks away just from, walks away from walks it. away from that reminded me of uh the scene in breaking bad where they had uh crazy eights uh, locked up in the basement okay. and and when they're trying when Walt can't bring himself to kill crazy eight like he slides over a jug of water yeah a jug of water then a sandwich then a pail and then it waits a few seconds and you just see like a roll of toilet paper yeah. slowly roll towards yeah, him toilet- <laughs> and then they one up it once again a few more seconds go by and he slides the hand sanitizer to him <laughs> <laughs> Like it's like excellent community uh, comedic timing in, in a drama, yeah. Which is really what you need because, like, uh, you know, face value without that, these shows would be incredibly depressing. Well, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's you know, it's it's like any other art form. You have to have the dynamics and you have to have the contrast because repeating the same vibe over and over again, you just get numb to that vibe. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then we got to see uh, Chuck a little bit more. 
Yeah, in a spacesuit. Yeah, a, a space, space blanket. blanket. Yeah, yeah. Take, <laughs> take the space blanket off, Chuck. See, we talked about uh, last episode. That it, it has to be a mental thing. There, there's no way that is some sort of physical malady. It has to be. Yeah, a mental thing. I, I, and I think I some, remember he says something about. Did you see the research with lizards and electromagnetic fields? Mm-hmm. And I didn't look any more into that. I might mean, have to do that for the next episode or something. Like, what the hell was that about? Right. But he he was so worried, you know. Uh, Saul came in drunk, and he was so worried whether or not he grounded him. And then he found a cell phone, just randomly chucked it into the yard. Right, right. Yeah. And the the brother dynamic between the two, it's we talked about how there's a little tension in in the brother dynamic. You know, like Chuck is obviously the super good guy, but it's like some weirdo about electromagnetic fields. You know, mm-hmm. and Sal is obviously not the most stellar of people, but they they care for each other. Yeah. But you can see some of the some of the rifts, like right in the first episode, they had an argument about what to do and how to handle his hiatus from work, and like he should sell out or financial or who, situation. Yeah, who's really taking care of him? And in this one, we got a little gl- glimpse of Saul actually being kind of tired of his brother's shit. Right, right. Because he was like, "Take off the space blanket." Yeah, and then Chuck kept refusing. Like, take off. He said it like three or four times. Like, right. take off the space blanket. And I kept. Uh, I kept like thinking that that's when they're going to reveal what the hell is actually wrong with him. Like I thought Saul was going to say, look, we both know that you're just being fucking crazy. Like, like none of this shit, you like having cell phones and shit. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I, I uh, the, the thing about the milk, like I was wondering about that. Cause the, the look that was exchanged was like, can we add some milk? And then Chuck gives him a look like, you know why we don't have milk. And then Jimmy gives him like the, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know if like he's one of them people that are against like pasteurization or they don't have a refrigerator so the ice can't keep the milk cold enough to sustain yeah. it. Or if he just has some Or if he's just like, you know, this is part of the sickness and Saul's just like, Oh yeah, it's part of your sickness, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> like you can't drink fucking milk. Sorry, Jimmy, <laughs> yeah. not Saul. I, I actually wrote in my notes lactose intolerance. <laughs> <laughs> I put I put milk question mark. <laughs> what the hell is that about? I'll be damned if there's no milk in my house. Man, what if what if like milk becomes like the major precipice of the entire series? Like a jug <laughs> of milk like somehow causes the collapse of everybody. <laughs> in the middle of the desert, dude. Right. Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> I like the fact that this is a show that takes place in the past. Mm-hmm. So I guess technically a period piece. But they're not throwing stupid winky wink references to that time frame. Yeah. But they did throw in the Beanie Baby reference, and I did get a kick out of that. Because yeah. you notice, you're like, there's a whole bunch of stuffed animals. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, this is the time when Beanie Babies were popular. And then when he oh. shakes the one, you see the little the little tie heart in the corner of the screen. Oh, man, so, that's, that's a good... Yeah. That's a good, good call. That's a totally a little. I like those kinds of little details, right? Yeah, little details. Yeah, because when he was talking to the receptionist, like you could see over her shoulder on top of the file cabinet, there yeah. was just like a big stack of stuffed animals. And yeah, I was like, oh man, that chick really likes stuffed animals. Yeah, but it wasn't and, like like the the Ford Esteem thing. They zoomed in on the word Esteem. Yeah, you know, like, you're gonna get this joke, which right. you didn't get, but I did. Thank you. But yeah, the Beanie Baby <laughs> thing, like stuff like that, it's all kind of in the background. You know, mm-hmm. little like the tie thing, you could barely. It's like half of the the tie thing it wasn't even the whole heart right you know. okay and then towards the end of the episode we finally uh do get to see Saul's actual living quarters he went from you know he passed out he passed out on chuck's couch right but um towards the end of the episode you see him walk through the the uh the nail salon the nail salon and he like shifts his desk, put the chair on top of it, and he pulls a fold out couch. So yep. we finally got to see where he lives. 
and then he pulls like his pillow out of the filing cabinet. Yeah, and, and like paperwork in there. Yeah, it was, like for some reason, even since the first episode, like I kept like whenever they showed it, I kept looking at like the tiny TV on top of the file cabinet. Uh-huh. And I was like, why? Why is there a TV on top of the file cabinet? Especially like a shitty, really old one. But like for all intents and purposes, Saul is destitute, and yeah. <laughs> that that is his apartment. Revo- reverse spoiler alert: I knew that. Yeah, somebody was mentioned somewhere that he lives in his office to start. Uh, and I, I do like how um, he stole the water, or he stole the water cup, yeah. <laughs> so he could put liquor in it. Because <laughs> he is, scolded him in the first episode. Say, yeah, it's, it was, like, it's like an nephew to the uh, owner who's like, you know, cucumber water for customers only. Finally, finally got one over on somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and then his customer. Nacho, I like, she knocked on the door and he, he was just absolutely astounded that he had a customer because when they were walking in, I remember I said to you, I'm like, I bet he finally has a message. Yeah. Because they set that up where he's, it looked like, you know, the first episode, there was no messages and he was just like frustrated and can't believe nobody's calling him. And I, I thought that's how, you know, I thought finally he was going to have a message, but no, he actually had a walk-in. Yeah. He had a visitor <laughs> and, and like Nacho said, I'll find you. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah. Okay, so we had a YouTube comment, right, from uh, Stefan Godhart. So if I'm if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, I apologize. Stefan Godhart, Stefan Gadehart, uh, off of YouTube, um, offered a theory about one of the Better Call Saul villains. He actually sent this about a week ago. He mentioned that in uh, season two, episode eight, when Walter and Jesse kidnap Sal, mm-hmm. uh, Sal, before he hears Walter cough. Thinks that it's Ignacio and Lalo, right? Ignacio like, and Lalo, I believe would be the pronunciation. I'm terrible at pronouncing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he mentions that he is afraid. Right, and he's, he's afraid of Ignacio and Lalo. And then uh, it was released before that Nacho is going to be one of the villains. And Nacho is a nickname for Ignacio. Right. But he also, the other names I caught was uh, Gonzo and Nodos were the guys out in the desert. Gonzo and Nodos. Yeah, Gonzo and Nodos. So there was no Lalo to our knowledge. Right. But so, there definitely was an Ignacio. Right. And so uh, Stefan actually called it because he said, are we, are we finally going to see who Ignacio is? Mm-hmm. Because there is an episode, which I believe is coming up, uh, named Nacho, which is ne- the name of next week's episode. Oh, okay. Right. right. And that's who was in. I haven't looked at episode names yet. I'm kind of right. Next next yeah. week's episode, uh, episode three. The title of it is Nacho, and Stefan was was spot on. Yeah, ball, yeah, balls on, as we say sometimes. <laughs> Absolutely right, because that that's who it was in his office, and he said, "I'll you know I'll find right. you when when you figure out you're in the game." Right. Well, yeah, and he's the, he's the one that kind of saved Saul's life too. When he's like, you know, he he didn't believe the D the FBI story. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's like, no, this dude's, he's telling the truth one way or the other. Let's find out which one really is the truth, basically. So, yeah, so Saul owns him. Yeah. Or Saul, I'm sorry. So Saul owes him. Owes him his life, basically. Yeah. And those two punk gingers owe him his life, too. Yeah. For their lives. (laughs) Punk ass gingers. I have a red beard. I can call people gingers. It's cool. So next week, according to the the previews, uh, during the credits, it looks like Nacho gets busted for something, and and he's probably going to call on that favor for Saul, because remember, Saul kept turning him down and uh, offered his lawyer help, though, like, hey, if you need need legal help, I'm your guy, but I'm not a criminal. Well, that makes sense, because he's, you know, from that little teaser scene where they're in the room together. Oh, yeah, where, where he's getting interrogated. Right. Right. 
Absolutely. So, um, so what are your predictions for next week's episode, Dave? Well, for one, I'm kind of mad that we have to wait a week now. Right. <laughs> and uh, I'm first off, I'm going to be really paying attention to the opening credits because one parallel we have drawn with this show is that the opening sequence is different so far. For every episode. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're listening, uh, anybody listening, go back to episode one. And for the theme song, we used the Junior Brown uh, theme song. And every time we've recorded an episode, Dave has used a different section of that song to open our show, which is funny because it changed. And it was kind of Dave being funny, like an inside joke between us. Yeah. At first, he didn't think I'd notice. But <laughs> yeah, I just did it to see if Brian would notice. Honestly. Right, yeah. yeah. It, it was just a funny thing. And then today, we kind of like cheered to ourselves a little bit because the opening sequence was was completely different mm-hmm. than than uh, last or last night's episode. Yeah, and uh, Breaking Bad, as far as I remember, had the same title sequence every time. It was yeah, it was two, like the puff of the smoke, periodic yeah. table things with the smoke behind it, and like the boom, weird boom, boom, boom. Yeah. right, <laughs> a little <laughs> weird noise. So um, I'm gonna call that one a win. We totally called that that would happen, and we were just hinting towards people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> We were we were just uh, ahead of the with show our, with our insider information, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with us being jackasses. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a video because I just did that look like. Mm-hmm. Okay. Other predictions from next week is that I just think that it, it's 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 shaping up is that the uh, embezzlement county treasurer case is going to be the big crux of the show. Like that's going to be the big thing. Like one way or another. Right. Right. Cause Sal himself said that that was going to be my case. That that was going to give me a name and that was going to, you know, put me on the map. But now they've set Which, it up. By the way, score one for me about the whole, why he was nervous when he was signing it. You thought it was about the paycheck. I thought it was about the notoriety. Mm-hmm. Am I right on that? Right. Yeah. When? Yep. yep you got that one. <laughs> <laughs> You got that one. We have to just point out whenever we're right over the other person every time that happens, by the way. Right, absolutely. Uh, and um, and so, yeah, one way or another, that that is going to be Saul, uh, Jimmy McGill's big moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? So We also didn't see Hamlin at all in this episode, mm-hmm. correct? Maybe he'll be on, maybe, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be on the opposite side of Saul. Hamlin? Yeah. Maybe something happens with the embezzlement case to where he represents the opposite side of Saul. I like that. Right? I like that. Not too bad, right? Like the whole like, because uh, it seemed like Chuck's whole like, do you want your own ident- identity? It's not so much you want your own identity. It's I don't want your identity to be associated with my identity. Right. You know? So, yeah, that's kind of like the big, you know, I don't know, David versus Goliath or a different. So that's, that's going to be my prediction. That's That's going to be. The big showdown that's set in place is that on one side it's going to be Saul representing his client, and on the other side it's going to be Hamlin represent their client, and that'll be Saul's big win. Okay, devil's advocate, it's going to be Chuck. You think it'll be Chuck? I'm just throwing it out there so I look like a genius if it happens. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put that on the prediction board. No, but yeah, I I like that prediction. I really like that prediction. All right. So that's what I'm going for. Uh, So make sure that you hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or our website or the myriad of other ways to reach us. SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, all that good stuff. Let us know. Put it on a flash drive and give it to your friends. We don't care. Uh, Carrier pigeon, (laughs) smoke signals, (laughs) however you want to send it to us. Make sure to send us your thoughts, your predictions. Uh, Like Dave and I say, this show is just as much yours as it is ours. Participate. 
participate. Join the discussion. Everybody who has joined Twitter in the last 24 hours, thank you. All the crazy people on iTunes blowing our numbers up, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, make sure to leave us those awesome five-star review. I'm totally campaigning for it. <laughs> <laughs> I like the one-star reviews and the two-stars because that just means you're listening to what the hell we're doing. Mm -hmm. We are a two-star show. <laughs> <laughs> now our scores are just going to plummet. <laughs> well, when Tim's around, we're a three-star show. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Averaging one star per host. <laughs> All right, so I think that's it, Dave. That concludes episode two of It's All Good, Man. We'll be here next week. Make sure that you subscribe. That's right. Call us idiots, call us geniuses, whatever. Just call us. You heard me. You better call us.